for those that um, you know you're new or have not been coming along regularly, we've um, prior to last Sunday anyway, because it was Easter Sunday, we've been doing something called uh, looking at the seven words from the cross, and we'd only done five, so we've got two still to go. And it might appear a bit weird, uh, weird if you like, that you know Easter's just happened and we had Resurrection Sunday last Sunday and it was all kind of Jesus is alive and yet we've kind of gone back in time almost and we're still at the cross. But it's, it's important because without the death of Jesus and what he says upon the cross and all of that, then there's no resurrection, there's no celebration to come anyway. So we've got two more weeks. Um, over the next few weeks, we'll, we'll finish these last two. And then we're going to be back into Matthew, which... The target is to have a, a nice good stint in Matthew again and maybe make it to like Matthew 16 or something. And then there's only 12 more chapters, which will take only like another, I don't know, two years or something. Um, but we'll get there. Um, I've got a, a friend now, but I before I went into kind of church ministry, I had a time working in a public school down in Bath. So you've got to say if you live down that way. Very nice part of the world, by the way. Very beautiful. And uh, I spent two years down in a, a public boarding school, which was quite a good fun. Like, they played rugby and rowing. Like, they didn't have a football team, which is a bit awkward because it's about the only thing I can do. Um, so we created one. Um, but they weren't very good because they were good at rugby and good at rowing. That was the kind of place it was. And there was this one lad, he, he was quite an impressive lad. Uh, he was um, rugby, rowing, all sorts of things. And he's just been... Uh, raising money over the last week for Open Doors. Now, Open Doors are a charity that, as a church, we support. We're partnered with them. And he has raised, I think, between eight and £10,000 for supporting the persecuted church by undertaking what is known as the toughest foot race on earth, something called the... Now, my French is not brilliant. I'm looking at Alexia here. Uh, the Marathon de Sable. I wanted to say the Marathon des Sables, but that would have just been... Not even remotely right, but it's known as the foot, the uh, like the hardest foot race on earth. It's known as the Marathon of the Sands, um, or the Sahara Marathon, and it's an ultra marathon that takes place effectively doing the distance of six marathons in six days through the Sahara Desert. Which is just, I think you've got to be mad. Like the idea of walking to the shops is enough for me let alone doing six marathons in six days. Technically, it's 251 kilometers over six days, which is 156 miles. And the longest day is 91K that they cover in one day. So you end up starting in the morning, and he finished at 4 a.m. the next morning on that stage. And you're, like, sleeping in the desert in, like, Bedouin tents and all that kind of stuff, and uh, they clean up after you, and you've got to have so much water and you've got to take in your backpack all the food and all the drink and everything you need for the six days. It's not like you just take the backpack for one marathon, you take it for like every single day. And it's like, well, known as the hardest kind of one of the toughest foot races on earth. And there's a story, there's some like really brutal stories. Like the one I'm about to share with you is not the most brutal. So there's like worse than this. But an Italian police officer in 1994 got lost whilst he was on the Marathon Disablers. And he, he managed to go a few hundred kilometers um, off piste or off course. Ended up in Algeria um, in the middle of the Sahara. I mean, it all looks the same, doesn't it? It's the same desert. There's no like, you've just crossed the border. He had no idea. And he only survived by drinking his own urine 
and biting the heads off and eating snakes and bats that he found as he went along. And that's the only way he survived. That's how brutal it is. So you've got to obviously stay on course. And um, I think just for him surviving was a good achievement. So last Sunday, as you were kind of tucking into your Easter eggs, they were starting day one. They were in the Sahara Desert, in the heat of the Sahara, starting this crazy ultramarathon. And there's a bit of a grace period in that you can walk, you can kind of walk, but basically you've got to beat the camel that's at the back. You know, in like marathons, they normally have a runner who does it at like the slowest pace possible, and you've got to beat them. Well, in the Sahara, they just have a camel. So if the camel overtakes you, you're done. So target is to stay ahead of the camel. And this guy, he completed it. I think the... The record for like the time of putting it all together is like 19 hours. Like that's like the record. I think done by a Moroccan, which is just amazing. But can you can you imagine the satisfaction of finishing something like that? You know, when you set out to start and do the Marathon de Sables, one of the hardest foot races, and finishing, or climbing Everest, you know, and putting your flag in the top of Mount Everest. But with Everest, it's kind of like you're only halfway there, really, because you've got to come back down. But like that feeling of like satisfaction, it's done, I've finished it. I had it on a really small, like minute level, because in November I did my swim, where I swam six miles, which felt like a really long way. I remember doing the last 25 meters and I got a bit cocky and I did a tumble turn. I did my first tumble turn. So length 399, I thought I'll do a tumble turn now. Pulled both hamstrings. Um, so like swimming the last 25 meters and my legs just aren't working. But I remember getting to the end and whether it's adrenaline or just the satisfaction of finishing, but I started like flapping about in the water going, yes, come on, I've done it, I've finished because it was an achievement. I'd done what I set out to do. And if you've ever done something crazy, like I'd say running a marathon is pretty crazy, but you know, things where it's like massive kind of output, like you run 26 miles, you climb a mountain, maybe your dissertation's in and it's been signed or you've achieved something, a target at work or whatever, and all of a sudden it's finished, it's done. It does something to us, doesn't it? It's like it becomes a moment, completing what we set out to do. And we come to a point here with the seven words on the cross where Jesus has a moment like that where he actually completes what he set out to do. And he says the words, it is finished. Hanging upon a cross and he says, it is finished. Almost as a, I've come along, I've conquered. This is me signing off. Now there is one other word that he says, but these are some of his last words from John chapter 19 and his crucifixion. Jesus has been beaten, whipped, mocked, crown of thorns placed on his head, nailed to a cross in the heat of the Middle East. And this is John 19, verse 28 to 30, if you've got a Bible. It says, after this, so after he's been beaten and after he's been hanging upon a cross for some time, knowing that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst, and a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received this drink, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, last time I spoke on one of the seven words from the cross, I spoke about I thirst, and you get the impression that when he's saying I thirst, it's, it, it would have been kind of a heart-wrenching thing here. With it is finished, I almost feel like it's kind of words of victory on the cross. That he's like mustered his strength and he's like, 
I almost picture him. I'm not sure he did because it doesn't say that he shouted. But I like to think of Jesus shouting it. Like shouting out loud, it is finished. Because that's how I'd like to do it. You know, if you complete something, you're like, yes, I've done it. And then collapse because you're exhausted. But you have that moment of adrenaline, that moment. Almost here, Jesus shouting, it is finished from the cross. And the word that um, it's based on is something called tetelestai, which means paid in full, which is where we get it is finished from. And back then in, in the Bible days, if you like, in the time of Jesus, that word, the shorthand of that Greek word used to be signed on things. So if something was paid, like, and you had a receipt, then you would just write shorthand for, for tetelestai on it to say it's been paid in full. Or if you had a business document and whatever, you would, it would be written shorthand, this has been paid in full. So when Jesus says it's been paid in full from the cross, everybody knows what he's talking about. Or at least everybody knows what he's going on about, that something has been paid, that something has been achieved, that something has been done in full. It is finished, he cries. And it's interesting that he doesn't say, I am finished. Because that's kind of how I felt after I'd done my swim, was like, I am finished here. Like, I am done in. Jesus doesn't say, I am finished. But he says, it is finished. So it's, what's the it? Like, what's he talking about? He's not talking about himself. And, you know, if he'd said, I am finished, then you could have thought, well, death would be the end of him. But he doesn't, because we know he comes back. So... It is finished is the content of what he's talking about. I just want to read this from Colossians 2. This is what the Apostle Paul says. And almost this is written after the events of Jesus dying on a cross and being raised to new life. Almost kind of looking back or summarizing what goes on in this kind of story, explaining it to us what happens. He says, you were dead in your trespasses. So when trespasses, I use the word sin maybe if you like instead of that. So you were dead in your sin. You were dead in your rebellion. Um, but God made alive together with him has forgiven us all our sin. And he's forgiven us all our sin, Paul says, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So Paul says like, that there's two things going on there. The first one is he describes our state, which is basically that we're done in, that we've had it, that we've fallen short, that we're reckless as people, not just to one another, but reckless towards God, reckless in our approach towards God. Um, and we, I think it was last week where Carl was talking about he can't get no satisfaction. That's basically what we do, isn't it? We, we go from one thing to the next, flitting from X to Y, trying to fill the void in our life, trying to make ourselves feel whole. But actually nothing fits because we're created for a creator. And until we engage with God in that way, nothing fits. And Paul says here that we're dead because of our sin. And it might seem like an old, outdated concept, but it's quite important in understanding why Jesus says it's finished. That we've been doing our own thing, conducting our life however we want, often without reference to God at all. Um, and because of that, there's a judgment. Like, God is good and God is love, and, but God is also just. And he wouldn't be God if he wasn't. Like, he can't just not be just. And we cry for justice, don't we? When we see things that are wrong, we want them to be made right. We look at the nation of Syria, right? I mean, I, I don't have an idea of how to make this right, by the way. But we long to make it right, don't we? At least I hope we do. That We, we don't... All the stuff that's going on there, it's just 
should break our hearts a little bit. Because it's something wrong. There's injustice. And we want justice. We want rightness. And the same is true of God. Actually, he's just. He, he wants things to be set right. And what that means is, well, actually, because we fall short, we've got this massive bill to pay, if you like. And the bill has to be paid. The bill can't be unpaid because that just wouldn't be just, would it? So if we've been reckless and we've been messing up and we've been doing our own thing, then that's all added to our bill. And it's still there and the bill has to be paid, which is the language here of it is finished, that something's going to be paid in full. But I'm reckless. How can I pay for my reckless life? I can't really, because I could try and fail. I could try and, I mean, I try and be a good person and, and do all that, and that's great, but it's not going to kind of undo the stuff I've already done. It's not going to make that right with God. I can't live a perfect life. And so what we try and do, I think, is we look at our bill, we look at our past, we look at all the stuff that we've done and the, the things that we will do and the things we think about, and we run away. I think we, we try and escape it. We try and avoid thinking about it. We live as if God's not real, that we put our head in the sand and think, well, this doesn't affect me. I don't need to worry about it. What's done's done. And I, I don't know if you caught it in the news. Um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. An Australian rapper uh, by the name of Tupac, which I thought was, I thought was interesting. Like, obviously, Tupac was taken. Um, so he's called Tupac. Um, <laughs> And uh, he had racked up a $695 bill at a restaurant by himself. Like, this isn't an all-you-can-eat place. Like, that's impressive, isn't it? I think he'd had two lobsters, um, some octopus, about 20 shots, I think, of something, um, and some Coronas. That's what it said in the news article. And then, obviously, because he's had one too many Coronas, he thought, I'm not going to pay this bill. And so he ran and jumped into the ocean and tried to swim away. That was his, like, that was his method. It's in the news. You can have a look at it. This guy, this Australian rapper called Tupac, thought about swimming to try and escape. Because he had a bill and he didn't want to pay it. He probably had a bill and maybe he couldn't afford to pay it because he's probably not very good. Certainly his name isn't original. Needless to say, I think he got caught. I think the, the coppers jumped on jet skis. How cool is that, by the way? Cops on jet skis. We get bobbies on horses. They get jet skis. We need to sort that out. Um, but, like, his bill was unpaid. And just because he runs away, it doesn't change the bill. The bill's still there. It just says pending on it. It still says unpaid. Sometimes I think we, we, we want to run away from our past. We want to run away from God. But it doesn't change the state of our bill. It's still there. The, the problem in our relationship with God is still there. Which is where you have the significance of Jesus entering and Jesus saying, it is finished. Paul writes that Jesus set aside he says here that he set aside nailing it to the cross. All this sin, all this stuff, he set it aside, he nailed it to the cross. In other words, Jesus takes our bill with our name on it. He takes my bill with Dan written on it. And he scribbles that out and he writes his own name on it. And then it gets stamped, paid in full. That's what happens when Jesus says it is finished. All the stuff I've done, all the wrong I've done, all the wrong I will do. All the stuff that blocks my relationship with God, Jesus pays the price for me. 
that my bill is no longer pending or unpaid, but it's paid in full. You, in one way, you could have written on your bill, it is finished. That we don't have to live anymore in a way that we're almost haunted by or have to run away from things in our past or things we're ashamed of or things even today or in the last week that we regret, that actually we can, we can bring those things to God. And Jesus pays the price for us when he says it is finished. So as far as God concerned, it's done. Jesus himself says it's finished, it's complete, it's paid in full, and there's numerous things going on there, and it's quite a complex thing, but I, basically the punishment for, for us and all our bill falls on the one who's perfect instead of us. And instead of us having the punishment, which is death, it falls upon Jesus, and Jesus willingly puts himself in that position. So when he says it is finished, his suffering on the cross is finished on a human level. He's done. He's, he's going to die. He's at death's door now. It's finished. There'll be no more pain. There's not going to be any more hurt for him. No more physical pain. The prophecies, the stuff of the Old Testament, it's finished. It's been fulfilled. So much stuff on the day Jesus died was fulfilled. It's finished. But more than that, significantly for us, the payment for sin the payment for all our wrong stuff is finished, is done, in full, complete, marked, paid in full. And there's this great illustration um, that is on Alpha. So if, you've, if you're on Alpha, if you've done Alpha before, then forgive me. But I love the way that he does this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this with the mic in my hand, but I'll try. And it's what Nicky Gumbel uses. Um, he describes himself as a posh vicar, um, which he is. <laughs> And uh, he's, he uses this thing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I could use like my multiple double chins to kind of hold the mic possibly. But like he, he says that this is our, uh, I'm using the Bible just because it's here. But he says that this is, this is us if you like. You know, we're this kind of my hand is us as human beings. Um, and the Bible here or this, this book if you like represents all the stuff that we've done, all the stuff that we do our sin, our rebellion, all our wrong, our bill, basically. So if you imagine that's your life, and, that's, and this, all this stuff, our bill, blocks our relationship with God. So it's in the way, isn't it? And what he says is that Jesus comes along, and this is Jesus. He's lived a perfect life. There's no sin in his life. There's nothing blocking his relationship with the Father. He's lived this perfect life for us. The life that we should have lived, he's lived and we haven't. And what happens on the cross is this. Jesus takes it. Jesus takes our bill. So now Jesus has our bill here. And where does that leave us? Paid in full. Gone. Free to relate to the Father. And yet so often, even though that's true, if we believe it and we've put our faith in Jesus, we still live as if it's not. We still live as if all this stuff is blocking our relationship with God. And yet Jesus says it's paid in full and he takes it and then he dies and then he is raised back to new life. And it's a great illustration actually of that Jesus takes our stuff and when he says it is finished, that's what's happening. He's taking all the stuff that's meant for us and deserved for us upon his own shoulders so that 
we can be free. Free to relate to God. The stuff that messes us up isn't in the way anymore. And that's brought about through faith and repentance. And how great was it last week? Rich, I don't know, he's here somewhere. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, watch it because it's great. He's famous now, mate. You're on the internet. But it's great because he's, you know, and that's what happens. Describe, well, this was me. And, and now there's a new me because I've met Jesus. That it's transformed my life because I'm no longer weighed down by the shame and the guilt and the stuff that just corrupts my heart because I found freedom by putting my trust in Jesus. Because the bottom line is, when it comes to the cross and it comes to talking about it is finished, either we're the ones that are on the cross or Jesus is on the cross for us. There's no third option. Like either we take the punishment we deserve or Jesus takes it for you. And you may not have experienced that punishment yet, but that's something that will come about, we're told. That there'll be the end of all things and will be held account. And actually, I want my account to say paid in full. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. I don't want to represent myself on the final day to God because goodness knows my life's been terrible. I've fallen short in terms of what God says. But Jesus hasn't. Which is why he says it is finished. We're credited with all the right stuff and the right relationship that Jesus has with his father. Question to you then is, is the it is finished of Jesus going to be the, the first words of your freedom? Because it can be. Like We need to, as Christians, start living like it is finished. So often we, we navigate life as if it's not been finished. As if Jesus hasn't paid it in full. As if he's done a bodge job like me doing DIY. Well, actually, I don't do DIY, so... Because <laughs> it would be terrible. But, like, you know those projects that you have that you just put off and you put off and you put off and, oh, there was this window I was supposed to repair and I've been repairing it for seven years and it's still not repaired and fixed. Jesus is it is finished isn't like that. It's complete for your past, your present, your future. Our relationship with God, I'm so thankful for this, and you should be thankful for this, isn't dependent upon our performance. So often we view it as if it is, you know, you have that whole, oh, I'm not a good enough person. Well, it was never about that. We know that. I've met you. You've met me. We all know that. But it's about not our performance, but about what Jesus has done for us, which means our salvation, being rescued, our joy, our peace. All those things are not dependent upon which side of the bed we've woken up on or whether work's bad or not or whether we've got a difficult moment or not. No, they're dependent upon somebody else. They're dependent upon something else. And so is our state before God, that where we're unfaithful, Jesus has been faithful for us. Our being rescued isn't dependent upon whether we're good or bad, but it's dependent upon the faithfulness of Jesus and dependent upon it is finished. You know that when we start believing that, it's quite freeing. It's kind of a revelation to our hearts and our minds. 
Because for so long, maybe we've been striving to earn God's love. But we don't have to. It's given freely for us in Jesus. That is something that is given to us as a free gift. So because of that, we don't have to fear anymore the future, fear condemnation for um, what we deserve. Because as sure as kind of, you know, the sun rises and the sun sets, it is finished. As sure as anything else in this life, it's finished. It's not uncertain. And I had a few just thoughts of um, kind of application as to, well, what does it is finished mean for me? Like, what are some of the things that maybe in my life it is finished can kind of make a difference on, if you like? If I start actually reminding myself that, yeah, Jesus has paid the price for me that I can go free, that it is finished. And I thought the first thing, and maybe I think this is talking to me as much as anybody, was that we can drop the kind of mask and the ego a little bit. Like, we don't, we don't need to walk around pretending to be perfect. So often we kind of project this perfection. Social media is terrible for that, by the way. Like, in terms of, look at my life. Look how wonderful it is. It's just a mask. It's just a projection. Just be real. Just be gritty. Just be honest. It's okay to not be okay. Right? <laughs> That's okay. That's fine. And to be vulnerable and to be down and to be low and to have good days and bad days, that's all right. We have nothing to prove. We're not perfect. But Jesus is. And that's the kicker. That's the good news. We don't have to be. We strive to be godly. And don't get me wrong, we strive and we should, uh, we should want to be like Christ because we want to represent him well because we want people to see Jesus. We want people to encounter him. But we're not perfect. And so we shouldn't expect perfection of others. Because often it's about others. We project ourselves to make ourselves look better than we are in comparison to others. But actually, to the kind of the God way is to honor others above yourselves, is to elevate others and to be less of you, to serve, not be served. That's the God-honoring path. So the first thing is we do, we don't need to go around pretending like we're perfect or we've got something to prove. Because we don't. The second thing I, I thought about is we have security. Um, so often I think we're, we're thinking about, well, I've got this in the future. I need my financial nest egg for retirement. I need to have so much in my pension or I need to make sure that our house value increases or that my ISA is full for the year or I have a savings account and I have a, this account and that account. But to be honest, even in those things, we've got to admit there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't take our cash with us, just in case you thought you did. It's not anything that goes with you. <laughs> There's a lot of uncertainty when you might think about your own futures or, or oh, if I put my trust in, in, in this, will it fail or, or will it succeed? Well, we don't need to have our security in finance or in possessions or in stuff because it will just all let you down. The it is finished of Jesus is the most secure thing ever. The most complete thing ever. Because it's not about us, it's about him. Do you see that? If it was about us, it would be incomplete. And it wouldn't work. But the fact that it's about someone who is completely perfect, both man and God, 
means actually there's great security. It means that we can give our life over to him and it will be all right. It will end well. There's better things to come. It's going to be all right. There's a day coming where every single wrong will be made right. Where there will be no more uncertainty. So our security, our, our, you know, we don't need to kind of live with fear of what the future might bring because we've got Jesus. We've got a secure future. I like what Carl says when he talks about this life and he says, it, was, it will be as if this was a dream. Like actually real life starts in the future with Jesus in all eternity. That's where, that's where the real life begins, if you like. And it's secure. Our future's secure. Uh, we get freedom. We have a new life, new hope, a fresh start. Not because you're awesome, but because Jesus is. That's good news, isn't it? I have a new start, not because I'm ace, but because Jesus is. Because he stepped in for me. We can have a confidence in who he is. A confidence in what he said, in what he came to achieve. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We know that, don't we? Nothing. If Jesus says it is finished, that means it is finished. That means it's complete. That means your future is complete. That means your present is secure. That means everything is taken care of. So we can have a confidence in his finished work for us. That he didn't bodge it like I bodged DIY. You weren't an afterthought to God. You weren't an add-on. You weren't an added extra in a package deal. But you've always been precious. You've always been important. You've always been loved. You've always been desired. We've always been important to him. And I think that releases joy. Should release joy in our hearts. Because I think it is finished as a victory cry. And it's Jesus' victory cry, but it's Jesus' victory cry over our lives. It's a cry that we can say, it is finished. We can leave this morning with joy in our hearts, say, it is finished. I am free. I've got a new life. That should be our standard everyday experience, if you like. That Christ has set me free and I'm going to walk in the newness of what that life looks like. You know what? As I said this last Sunday, Easter Sunday is a real celebration, isn't it? Every day should be like that. Because every day is, it is finished. Every day is walking in the newness of life that God has given to us. And it, it leaves us with a bit of a challenge, really, because, you know, I don't know where you're all at with God. Whether you've accepted that it's been finished for you by another, or you're trying to finish your own work and making a right bodge out of it. But there's the opportunity, again, this morning, in these moments, to just actually to find a, a future that is certain. To find joy, to find peace, to find hope. To find new life, a fresh start for all of the stuff we've ever done. And it's open to all of us. And it's through these words of, it is finished, that death is conquered, that sin's defeated, that hell's done. Because of Jesus for you. And I found this poem. I think it's a poem. Um, 
Now, I just want to read these words because I think it just gives the scale of it is finished. This is what it says. Jesus bowed his head on the cross and cried, it is finished. The drops of blood that poured out from the cross to the dust of the ground whispered to the grass, it is finished. The grass whispered to the herbs, it is finished. The herbs whispered to the trees, it is finished. The trees whispered to the birds in the branches, it is finished. The birds spiraling upwards to the clouds cried, it is finished. The clouds spoke to the stars in the sky, it is finished. The stars in the sky cried to the angels in heaven, it is finished. And the angels in glory went up and down the streets of the heavenly city, echoing this glad refrain, it is finished. And for every single one of us this morning, if we put our trust in Jesus, those words echo in our heart for all eternity. That it is finished. That we've been bought at a price, that we've been set free. And I, I think some of us, for many of us, we don't live like that's true. We don't live in the power of the resurrection. We don't live with that hope and that new life because we feel weighed down by the stuff that just oppresses us because we kind of live even though it is finished and we've accepted Jesus we kind of live like this still but the it is finished of Jesus means we don't have to and nor should we